Do you want to get cognitive dissonance streamed to your iPhone or BlackBerry? If so, download Stitcher free today at Stitcher.com. They shall be put to death. That's what happened in Israel. That's why homosexuality wouldn't have grown in Israel. It tends to limit conversions. It tends to limit people coming out of the closet. Oh, so you're saying that we should go out and start killing them. No, I'm saying the government should. They won't, but they should. One of the primary reasons that it is over for America is because women are taking over. Of our president getting up and saying that it was all right for two women to marry or two men to marry, I tell you right now, I was disappointed bad, uh, but I tell you right there, as sorry as you can get, the Bible's against it, God's against it, I'm against it, and if you've got any sense, you're against it. Uh, I recall what happened with the, the oil spill in the Gulf, how the, all the Gulf governors, except for Charlie Crist of Florida, got together and, and called for a time of prayer that God would mitigate the damage of that and cause that thing to be sealed. And, you know, guess what? All the expected damage along the shorelines and uh, to all the wildlife, it didn't happen. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome, Matt. This episode, somehow, and I'm still a little unsure how, we managed to get George from the Geologic Podcast on. George, thank you for being on our show. Hi, boys. I assume I assume the check's in the mail, correct? It is. Right. It is. Yeah. It is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't. Yeah, it won't bounce at all. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. No. That's a that's a perfectly legitimate. There's a legitimate. lot of zeros on that check. There's a lot of zeros on our account. It Either turns side out of too, the decimal point. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I post dated it to December twenty first, twenty twelve. I figure, you know, I'm just playing the odds. Nice. So, Smart. It. Smart. You, know, you have that Mayan right. checking account. That's, yes, exactly. That's yeah. yeah, that's excellent. <laughs> it's a, from a Mayan checkbook, actually. Oh wow. Yeah, it's hard to get your hands on them, but I'm kind of a big deal. Right, right. So, so, so listen, yeah. Cecil, uh, happy anniversary there, my friend. Oh, thank you very much, George. My I appreciate goodness. that. My yeah. goodness. And uh, have any response yet from the Vatican? You know, I, he called earlier and he left a message, but I haven't checked it yet, you know. So. <laughs> you saw the call coming. You're like, ah, oh, decline. Yeah, I was like, fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Jeez, yeah. what what a a Again? Yeah. <laughs> At Zinger. <laughs> he's just yeah. wanting more money, that douchebag. It's just awkward when he's doing all the sexting, you know? That's just yeah, the... Yeah, well, you know... little... That scepter <laughs> isn't as big, you know... Looks bigger on TV, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> and he is calling from the rectory, so... <laughs> so, George, we want to talk about uh, the story from The Telegraph. Um, this is a story, uh, right-to-die, locked-in sufferer, Tony Nicklin... Nicklinson? 
petitioned by Twitter users encouraging him to live. That, first of all, is a terribly written headline. That thing is so fucking awkward. Um, this is a terrible story about a man uh, with this thing called locked-in syndrome, which basically sounds like the worst thing ever. Um, yeah. Your whole body gets uh, locked down. Eventually, your muscles, uh, you lose control um, of them. With it, I think it was reading in the article, within four months, you know, 90% of people with locked-in syndrome uh, die. So it's, it's not ideal. It's, it's not cause for celebration. Um, and uh, this, this gentleman is uh, petitioning for his right to die, his right to, to exit the world in a way that still leaves him with some peace and some dignity. And uh, some Twitter lunatics are kind of giving him shit about it. Well, I don't know if they're giving him shit or they're just sort of they're trying to be supportive in that way that kind of people that are with the best of intentions can be a little bit self-deluding, I think. So I, I don't I don't from the story that that I read, it didn't seem like anyone was saying you can't do this. You shouldn't you know, you're you're evil if you do this, if you decide to end your life. It seems that most of the tweets that were that were being tweeted were supportive if not a little clueless, maybe. I mean, especially what, what I thought was so fascinating about the story is the guy is a self, self-defined uh, atheist, Mr. Uh, Mr. Nichols, Nicklin's son, saying, it's nice of you to tweet me things like you believe in miracles and that's all that kind of stuff, but, uh, but I don't, and uh, I'm actually on this end of this disease, and it's way harder to be on this end of this disease. Um, the thing that struck me th- the most is the fact that in two days this guy got... 14,000 Twitter followers, which really has to make me change the way I think I'm trying to get Twitter followers. (laughs) What's hilarious is I actually sent that to Tom today in the chat, too. I was like, 14,000? My goodness. But, you know, the the outpouring is great. I think that, you know, a lot of people showing him support is great. Uh, But what really comes comes to mind here is uh, a lot of times – and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an analogy. Um, when people are homophobic, all, almost all of that stems from religion. Like I, when I speak to atheists or I speak to people that are secular or humanists and say, you know, what do you think of homosexuals? There's never a, like a visceral, visceral reaction like you get from religious people. And I feel the same way about this, too. If you were to talk about this euthanasia to anybody that is secular or atheist and say, what do you think euthanasia? You would not receive this sort of visceral reaction without belief in a God, I think. You know what, though, Cecil? I think think they use the religion in both those instances to, to not deal with what actually is bothering them. Because I think when people are against homosexual unions or against homosexuality, I think they don't have the courage to say either a that secretly makes me really hot. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> or, that's a big deal. Yeah, you know, yeah. or or b like it's gr- like it's gross to think of that yeah, thing as gross. Yeah, it's icky. Because yeah, it's icky. You're never going to get someone who says it's icky. So what they can do is they can mask it with this idea of well, my religion says it's not right. And I think it's the same thing here. This idea of having the control of your own existence, having the having the right to decide, you know what my life is the way it is is worthless right now and I want to end it. That's that's a very uncomfortable thing and it's I think a lot of people can project themselves into that position. You know, the, the way you the way you think of horrible situations sometimes, you know, like whenever I watch a prison movie of someone who is, you know, uh, uh, wrongfully imprisoned, you, you, you know, it, and essentially you, you put yourself into that position thinking, what would I do? 
you know, and you and you you sort of have that horrible thing of 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 equating your your thoughts and your your position with the person in the in the film. I think the same thing happens here, where it's like, gosh, if I was in that position, I would hope that I could rise above it and have the strength to do it. So I think the religion allows you to mask and not deal with the issue, which is so horrible. Which is supposed to be the antithesis of what of what religious belief or belief in a community of of religious thought is supposed to be. You know what I mean? So it's like they 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 mask it, they cover it. And it's a real shame. And 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 I don't know. I, I I the whole situation is so sad and I can't fathom what this guy is going through. I mean I can't fathom to get to that point of be like I'm done. You know, right. I, I was I was shocked when I read that he had a daughter and a and a wife and it's like, oh boy, to be that miserable, to be that yeah. to feel that stuck, to feel that uh without any kind of future uh, to to say, you know, it's just better to end it. Uh, that's got to be like a personal decision. You know, obviously it's a decision that we can't make in most states here in, in the U.S. You know, most states here in the right. U.S., that's that's anathema. It's not even on the table for for reasonable discussion. Right. Um, yeah. I, I look at this and, you know, it's interesting. You say, like, you put yourself in that position. You know, I immediately put my loved ones in that position. And not to be like, haha, it happened to my loved one, not me. But, you know... <laughs> I think I, th- I think it's it, part of the difficulty I think that people have with it um, isn't so much that they don't want to have the right to die themselves um, so much as they don't want to see the loved ones that they have taken from them. They don't want That's they don't want you, yeah. you look at your father, you look at your your mother, your your wife, you know, your your children and you think, I don't want you to make that choice. I don't want you to take yourself away from me. And, and that, I mean, that's what occurs to me, you know, it, it, that's, that's immediately what occurs to me is like, what if this happened to somebody in my life that I really loved? And, you know, I, I cannot help but think, yeah, but I did it for my dogs. I was just going to say that. What's so funny is that when a pet is ill and gets to the point of being, of suffering, you know, they say it's the humane yeah, thing absolutely. to do. Unless it's a human, yeah. <laughs> you know? that's what's so that's what's so fascinating. Right. That like, and and you, and if the dog or the cat or the what or the the rabbit or whatever could could say, uh, this is really horrible. I'm really in pain. This is we need we need to we need to end it. That would be so much more helpful because as it is, you feel sort of helpless and you're making this decision yeah. for this creature. Um, and here is an instance where a person can say. Yes, you know, as long as they are psychologically stable, which there are all kinds of tests and examinations that can be done and all kinds of things that need to be uh, passed, apparently, like in Canada and in Europe, they have all kinds of psychological testing that has to be done before someone can decide, I want to stop. Um, and, and that that isn't humane, you know, in the U.S. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird. It's such a weird issue, but so, but so... I think important on, on, on so many levels and this, you know, maybe this guy, maybe he'll get some kind of a, I don't know, it, it'll, it'll outweigh, you know, the fact that he might have a Twitter existence will outweigh the negative aspects of his life. I, I don't know. Probably well, not. Well, that's interesting you know, too because – Maybe this might reveal yeah, something. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it's got to be very difficult for him to communicate. I mean when I read about this syndrome, really you only have use of your eyes. That's the only thing that you really have use of. And they communicate by using their eyes uh, to sort of uh, – I guess there's probably commu- uh, like computers now that actually are – they're able to use – be able to look at things and be able to spell words. Sure. But even still, that takes a long time. But this is an opportunity for him to converse with many, many people without having to be in another place. And so it is – it is a way for him to you know find some sort of purpose. Uh, but you know the stuff I read about – 
what you have to go through and, and how your body is treated. At one point in this article, he even says something like, you know, I'm, I have to be fed like a child except for I'm never going to grow up and out of this. And that's yeah, just yeah. – it's just so sad. I look at Roger Ebert and I think, you know, here's a guy who lost his jaw who was yeah. a, a, someone who yeah. talked about movies. And yet uh, after, after his uh, condition, he's sort of got this online – his life has flourished Yeah, online. absolutely. And he's in some ways even more respected now because he's so much more passionate about it. So uh, again, not to – you don't want to assign someone significance sure. saying this is what you need to find significant now. Because if he's in pain, if he's miserable, no, you know, it could have a million – Twitter followers and it's yeah. not going to, it's not going to change right. his existence, but no. Well, you know, one of the, the terrible ironies of a situation like this is, is that, you know, if, if you or I decided today's the day I'm done, we're able-bodied. I might not be able to make that, that choice in a medical setting. I might not be able to make that choice to sort of put myself down humanely, but sufferers of these sorts of illnesses, you know, locked in syndrome and other illnesses that, that cripple your ability to be autonomous, physically autonomous. They take away even the right to die inhumanely of your right. own accord. You know, right. it's, it, it's, it's such an obviously personal decision. And I look at these Twitter things and it's, you know, when I said they're giving him shit, you're right. They're not really giving him shit. But what immediately occurs to me is I wonder how many of you guys are locked in. You know, I wonder how many of you guys are speaking from a comparable, analogous worldview. You know, because when you're not, it's sort of like, hey, I hear what you're having to say. I, I got you. And I got no fucking opinion because you're locked in. And I'm yeah. not. You know, one of the tweets said um, uh, to him, not, not that he tweeted, but that one of his followers tweeted, said, I believe in miracles. They spelled believe wrong, but that's fine. I believe in miracles. <laughs> and, and we'll pray for you. God will heal you one day. God bless oh, you. He loves God. you very much. And I was like, he's got a fucking funny way yeah, of no showing kidding, it. Right? Yeah, he, <laughs> really? Like, you're going to say God loves me very much? Like, and this is some kind of a test? Yeah, he or, fucking hits you with what? the locked I mean, in stick. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, not a good thing. You know? Right. Maybe, maybe he could get, maybe, maybe he'll get so just angry at how silly some of these things are. <laughs> that will drive him to yeah, stay right. alive, you know, just with pure vitriol and anger. Become the meanest atheist hey, tweeter on the tweeter on Twitter, you know? That's actually yeah. what keeps me going, you know? Yeah. It's just, just pure <laughs> oh, hate nice, and vitriol. Right. Hate, yeah. That, that, that wakes up, yeah, that my alarm yeah. clock runs on <laughs> So we're going to visit with George uh, again at the end of the program. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing a bit here in between. We're going to, for about 30 or 40 minutes, we're going to be talking about some news items. So if you're new to the podcast and you want to hear the interview with George, you're going to have to wait. We sent him out for two medium pizzas. He should be back anytime. Oh, yeah. I mean, how yeah. long could that take? Yeah, it shouldn't take long at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Cecil, if you wanted a medium pizza with pig on it, <laughs> this is the worst segue ever. One of the, uh, the you, delicious, you delicious segue. <laughs> you can head over to the uh, Dearborn, Michigan Arab International Festival because it turns out that the, uh, the Christian missionaries are spreading their their message of love and peace and tolerance and uh, by showing up and taunting the Arab Americans. <laughs> And holding a pig's head on a stick. Yeah, there's a pig head on a stick at one point. And now I got to ask you something, Tom. Now, these are missionaries, right? Like they're the people that are Christians that are taunting the 
Arab Americans here right. are missionaries. Yes. And when you're a missionary, it's it's your job to convert people. You're kind of the salesman of that religion. Right. You're the person who's saying, <laughs> you're basically saying, I have this God, and he's awesome. He's an awesome God. I don't know if you heard that song, but it's a really, really great God, and I'd love to sell it to you. By the way, here's a fucking pig with a stick jammed in the business end of a trachea. Would you like to fuck? You know, like, well, how are you going to convince these people, too, about the wonders of bacon by doing something like this. They don't even, they don't eat pork and you're going to hold up a pig head to them. I mean, you're really doing a disservice to bacon. They should have a nicely brined pork chop. Yeah. You know, be great. Seared just perfectly on the outside, still a little pink on the inside, tender and juicy. (laughs) This is a terrible decision. How do you decide? How are you standing around with a group of of fellow like-minded bigots and saying, you know, Hey guys, uh, you know, there's that Arab American, and it's Dearborn, Michigan. So there's a tremendous population. Yeah, it's a huge, huge population. Yeah, you know, it's one of the largest populations, if yeah. not the largest, in the United States of Arab Americans. So they're holding a festival because they're fucking Americans, and every American group, you know, here, Chicago is famous for it, right? We're from Chicago, the Chicago area. Chicago has, has festivals for every neighborhood and yeah. every ethnic group throughout the whole summer. It's like yeah. fucking festival again. You know, so the Dearborn, Michigan, hey, let's have a festival. Great. And the Christians are like, hey, pig head on a stick. Let's protest, protest their religion. One of the uh, one of the protesters at one point, uh, they were screaming back and forth and the kids were saying, Allahu Akbar. Uh, and then they, one of the kids sent back, one of the Christians shouted back, <laughs> Jesus Akbar. <laughs> and I wonder is if there was Star Wars fans, would they have screamed Admiral Akbar? <laughs> would they have been like, Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. Oh, that's spectacular. Yeah, what, what a bunch of lunatics. That's not, you're not advancing your cause. You're just reenacting Lord of the Flies. You would think that they would have to try to convince. Like, that's what you're up there for. You're passing out flyers. You're standing outside of prayer. You're you're actively trying to convince other people that they're choosing the wrong path, yet you're the one with the severed pig head. Yeah, right. No kidding. Yeah. You're, you're, your religion is violent. Well, <laughs> we were having a nice time. What are yeah. you talking about? Please remove the stinking, rotting pig head. <laughs> Any serious Christian law is going to say that one of the primary teachings of Christianity is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Can you love your neighbor as yourself and then at the same time knee him in the face as hard as you can? I love this next story so very, very much. I knew you would. I knew you would. This is is from theweek.com, but you can find it in a lot of other places. Fight Church, the video (laughs) for Fight Church. Is the greatest thing ever. It's Fight Church awesome. is the name of a movie yeah. that's coming out, and it, uh, it discusses um, a church. A, 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 is it just one church, or is it a group of churches? You know, I couldn't tell. It, it's hard They're to tell because the way it's written, it's hard to tell. Um, and it's really about the documentary, and so right. you don't know. I but, recognize this dude, though. I don't know who this guy is, but I've seen that guy before. The, the 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 coach guy that the coach uh, screaming guy, yeah. for all the I've seen him as he's to... I I am almost positive he's somebody's corner man in the UFC I am I almost positive of it you know my concern about this so I give you background there, there's there's a movement I don't know there's a documentary about these people who are fighting MMA fighting cage fighting kickboxing um, Muay Thai Muay, Muay I mean it's this is legitimate fighting. And they're doing it ostensibly like 
as a Christian fighting group, like as a Christian fighting group, you know, I'd be concerned somebody would beat the Christ out of me. <laughs> then what are you left with? Well, you don't have anything left then. You just, the Christ got beat right out of me. Yeah, no, These just, guys the are getting the shit in. kicked out of each other. Yeah. And they're getting counseled with, well, you know, the one guy says something like, you know, I do it because life is a fight. And it's like, well, that's a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a what? real fight. It's not actually a fight. I'm not constantly right. swinging my fists. Right. That's I, awesome. I got to be honest, though, Tom. I'm not a fan of the way this article is written, um, mainly because I'm a mixed martial arts fan. And I, I know you're a mixed martial arts fan, too. Yeah. Um, I actually I used to have a mixed martial arts podcast. Uh, I specifically enjoy – this is one of the sports – you know, I'm a football fan because I'm from Chicago, and you got to be a football fan in Chicago. But uh, but I'm a football fan. But I don't. I'm not as. I'm not certainly not as rabid as I am about mixed martial arts. I watch almost every pay per view that the UFC comes out with. I I love watching the fights. I love talking about the fighters and talking about the fights. And at one point in this article, they say use brutal mixed martial arts bouts to glorify God. And I feel like there's some sort of agenda in this. Not only in this documentary, but also in this article to sort of depict this as this sport where, you know, there's it's really just like all the people that are against it when they say like it's human dog fighting and all that crap. Um, it just feels I don't know. There's something about the way that this is presented that really kind of irks me. Yeah, well, it's definitely a judgmental article, I think, against the, you know, it's got a subtle right. sort of uh, tone to it that is not too approving of mixed martial arts in general. I, I think I just think it's hilarious to try to sure. uh, find some middle ground between yeah. this sport and saying like, well, we're doing it for Jesus. It's a yeah. G- we're, it's Jesus fighting. That seems so incompatible. But again, right. I really can't put myself in the Jesus mode anymore. Like when I was a kid, so I couldn't tell you if this is compatible or not. It just doesn't feel like it. Logically, it'd be compatible. But again, I really can't apply logic to a lot of people that are believers. You know, most of the really rabid believers, I can't say, you know, this is logical. And some of the moves, I think, they might not be too fond of. I mean, I'm thinking of one, the rear naked choke. They're probably certainly not fond yeah. of the rear naked that's choke. That's actually outlawed. Yeah. You're not the allowed to do that The rear naked choke. One. You can't that's straddle a, a dude. That's you can't, not a good one. Yeah. You, you know, you can't get in the full mount. The full mount for is sure. definitely bad. That's, that's, that's a out. bad one. Yeah. They, the crucifix yeah. <laughs> is a, that's that's definitely, that's encouraged. That's, they're, they're huge fans yeah. of the crucifix. So, yeah. If the Boy Scouts allowed homosexuals to become scout leaders, that would be the end of the Boy Scouts because we know, you know, we, we know that the, uh, pedophilia uh, occurs at excessive rates in the homosexual community. They're responsible for a third of all the offenses against children, even though they're 2% of the population. So what, that's 16, 17 times at the rate the general population offends, they, they offend against children. There's no way parents are going to entrust their kids to the Boy Scouts Unless, unless they are very, very careful about screening. So this next story is from Huffington Post. This is from their politics section. Uh, Brian Fisher, uh, Boy Scouts will be destroyed by homosexual pedophiles if the gay ban is listed. For those who don't know, uh, the Boy Scouts are considering, for the first time in a very long time, such as ever, um, lifting their ban on allowing uh, homosexuals to interact with the Scouts Right now, if you're a homosexual, you can't be a scout. You can't be a scout leader. You can't be a den mother. You can't uh, basically hang out with the scouts. Right. There's yeah. no there's no interaction allowed with the uh, with the Boy Scouts. And I think that's a shame because the Boy Scouts do some things that are 
uh, really exciting for young kids and, and have a lot of uh, a lot of fun and do some kind of go on some fun adventures and shit that there's really not a lot of other alternatives that are as well funded and well organized as the Boy Scouts in, in America. Brian Fisher um, came out and said uh, that it's going to encourage pedophilia. What? That, that's a guy who's who has no idea. This is, again, one of those moments where somebody just picks a fucking number out of their head and just shouts it out and, and pretends like it's backed up with study upon study and that they've done research. This guy is pulling numbers right out of his gaping asshole. He, he, has, <laughs> he has nothing. He knows nothing about um, the numbers that are that, – that when you look at the relation between homosexuals and pedophilia, he knows nothing. And one of the things he even says, he's like, we know that pedophilia occurs at excessive rates at, in the homosexual community. And that's just not true. It's just not. I looked at, I went out and did a little research today. I found a, a study that I'll actually post on our show notes. And it's a big, long study that talks about several different uh, control groups that they had and different things. And most of the time they, they came up with zero or very low percentage that actually where these people actually da- identified as homosexual, they will tell you too that their study is kind of flawed because they're the only people that they ever talk to are people that are looking for counseling or people that have been caught as pedophiles. So their their sample size is is small. So when somebody when somebody is even willing to put that out in the beginning of their study and say, look, this is you know this study, there's no way that we can really be truly, uh, we really truly can know these numbers. You've got to look at that as more uh, more valid and at least more honest than just somebody saying some bullshit number that they just fucking made up. What people, I think, don't understand, too, is that pedophiles aren't homosexual. Even if you are a pedophile man who has sex with pedophile boys, pedophiles aren't attracted to grownups. <laughs> they're not attracted to adults. That's why they're pedophiles. They are attracted to children. They are different things. That is a different sexual proclivity yeah. than homosexuals who are attracted to people of the of, of the same gender as themselves, you know, and then and then abide by the uh, social norms for when it is appropriate to engage in sexual behavior. But it, it, they are not the same thing. A pedophile is attracted to children. Right. That is what a pedophile is. A pedophile and homosexual. They, they, there's not they're not definitionally the same um and to confuse the two is just a way for these for these hate mongers which is what the american family association is to confuse the two is a way for them to spark fear because it is scary as a parent you know if you're a parent if you if you've got uh, young children in your life that you love and that you care for and that you're responsible for safeguarding you want to make sure that you do a good job of doing that and no per- person would knowingly put their child in harm's way so yeah if the boy scouts were reconsidering their stance on allowing pedophiles then yeah i, I you sure, know okay is, fine yeah. there's a you know we got to we got to sit down and talk about that that's not a good <laughs> idea but that's not that's not what they're arguing right they're arguing about whether or not homosexuals should be. And there is no danger to these kids that is any greater just because scout leaders might be homosexuals. It's fucking ridiculous. So this next story is from Addicting Info. 
Um, this is a story about uh, coming out of Michigan. Michigan's uh, going full North Carolina crazy lately. Um, they're, they're making a run. They're making a push for the nuttiest state in the union. Um, they're seeking to legalize discrimination against patients for legal reasons. Um, psychology students um, have, uh, if, you, if you are a student, a psychology student, and you're pursuing an advanced degree, um, you will, as part of that degree program, generally counsel other students um, throughout the degree process. There was a student who didn't want to counsel a suicidal student because uh, they had religious conflicts. So what is your religious, what the fuck conflict do you have? I don't know. You, know, you have would, people fucking tweeting some guy on on Twitter about, you know, it's going to get better. Don't worry. God God makes miracles and all that bullshit. They're tweeting him. Uh, they're counseling this guy about suicide. What what possible, you know, you would think that she would fucking jump at the occasion. Yeah, you, you would. You would think if you were a decent human being and somebody came to you and you had a certain skill set. Let's let's imagine it's not psychology. Let's imagine it's any other skill set, right? Let's imagine that somebody's car broke down and you were a mechanic and you saw that their car was broken down because they came to you and they said, my car is broken down. And if I can't get my car up and running, if I can't get back on the road, I'm going to die. I have medication. It's 100 miles away. I need to get to it. If I don't get to that medication within the next four hours, I die. Oh, I'm gay. Would you not fix their car? Would you be like, oh, well, you Sucks know, to be you, dude. Fuck. You know, my religion tells me that I can't help you. So it looks like you're just going to die. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cruelty. And for the Michigan legislature to pass a law that instead of protecting the person in need of aid... Protects the person who refused to provide aid? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to read directly from this Addicting Info article. Um, it says, by passing a bill, making it illegal to, and now they're talking about, they're, ta- they're quoting directly from the bill, discipline or discriminate against the student in a counseling, social work, or psychology program because the student refuses to counsel or serve a client as to his goals, outcome, or behaviors that conflicts with a sincerely held religious belief so if like let's say i i had a sincerely held religious belief that i've got to beat the shit out of everyone i see like those mma guys that we were talking about earlier um you know i (laughs) suddenly i could just go fucking assault whoever i want because you know you can't fucking you can't discipline me for that you know the idea that you can't be disciplined for a sincerely held religious belief uh you know even like it's just taking morality right out of there and saying we're not going to talk about morals. We're not going to talk about ethics. We're just going to talk about what people uh, what Bronze Age text people follow. And that's going to be the, how we adhere the rules. And that just seems it just seems so ass backwards. Well, why would you want to enshrine into law what is basically the luck of the draw card? Right. I need help. Hmm. Hope you don't get me. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, you. You pick up the phone. I really need help. Oh, the wrong guy answered it. I don't get the help. Also, I'm suicidal. So there's a couple of other absurd examples that are given in this article, and I think they're apropos to the to the points that we're making. So the the, the first one is: if it is my sincerely held belief that I do not need glasses, should the Department of Motor Vehicles be required to give me a license, even if I refuse an eye exam? <laughs> 
What if I sincerely believe that unrefrigerated seafood is safe to eat months after being cooked? Do health (laughs) inspectors have any right to keep me from selling my wares to the public? It is my belief that most of the buttons, controls, and safety equipment on commercial (laughs) aircraft are just for show. You got a problem with that, FAA? Great job addicting info. That's That's fantastic. Well done. So we're going to take a break and give you all the information that you need to find us on Facebook, on Twitter, Google+, which I am posting to now. So you can check the posts out there. You can also give us a phone call. We've got a number set up for you to leave us nasty messages. And uh, we'll return in just a moment with an interview with George from Geologic Podcast and to ruin the rest of the show. You can email these assholes at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. For more information on this or any other episode, visit the Cognitive Dissonance website, dissonancepod.com. Like our show on Facebook to join in the conversation. Just search for Cognitive Dissonance in Facebook or go to our website for the link. You can converse with us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at dissonance underscore pod. Help us out by retweeting and reposting our shows. You can call us and leave us a message at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Long distance rates apply. Your help is fucking greatly appreciated. So, see, so this next story is from uh, Novanite.com. It's Sophia News Agency. Um, I actually really like this article quite a bit. Um, this is a, a about Bulgaria's Sophia Pride Gay Parade, um, and they have they, they're, they're they're facing a, a lot of opposition. Um, there's a lot of calls for violence against the parade. There's a lot of uh, opposition to the fact of their homosexuality and this parade. And uh, they're calling on the church uh, to call out and say, you know, end the violence. We can't have any violence um, at this parade. And the, and the church has responded not with uh, calls to its <laughs> parishioners saying, hey, yeah, yeah, we're a church. Sure. Yeah. Love Should your neighbor. <laughs> love your neighbor. Unless they're gay. Unless they're gay. Because I'm going to read directly from this article here. And by the way, thank you to uh, Religion Poisons Everything, which is a Facebook group. And you can find them. You know, they're easy to find on Facebook. Uh, they, they post a ton of stuff throughout the day. They're fun to follow. Um, and they actually sent this directly to us. So I want to thank them for sending it to us. And I want to read directly from this uh, Novanite article here. The Bulgarian Orthodox Church further called upon its parents and teachers to prevent children from participating in the parade or even witnessing it, claiming it would be a harmful demonstration that violates the rights of Orthodox Christians. That, and you also told your other parishioners to pelt the people in the parade with rocks. So that's maybe why you don't want your kids to participate. What kind of a church? What kind of a church calls on its parishioners to hurl stones. I'm not a biblical <laughs> ones scholar. That don't, ones that don't live in glass houses, it turns out. <laughs> Didn't Jesus do a whole he who is without yeah, sin? Yeah, fucking and that's in the Bible. Come on. That's now. just part of your own teachings. <laughs> that's the whole thing that we base everything on. It's kind of a, it was yeah. kind of like a, it was sort of a big story in There's that There's a book, lot of people you know? without sin. You don't understand, Tom, how few people have sin. That's that's probably that's true. Key. In Bulgaria, In it's Bulgaria, definitely that's a sin-free It's It's a sin-free zone country. there. No yeah. one has any sin, so they can fucking whip stones willy-nilly. So, Don't go to a fucking football game over there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Who's that guy on the other side of the glory hole? It's Jesus. 
Cecil, this next story, this is from Huffington Post Religion. This isn't so much of a story so much it is an incredibly long, insipid blog post by a totally vapid, pointless individual. Um, This is how reading the Bible in 100 days changed my life. This is written by Craig Cannelly, senior editor, uh, one of the senior editors, uh, the Huffington Post. This is a spectacularly poorly reasoned blog post. I loathe it. I loathe it with every fiber of my being. Um, Craig recalls the story about how he was unhappy in his life and uh, he had made some job decisions and what have you that uh, weren't working out for him. And uh, he changed, Cecil, many things about his life. Yeah, oh yeah. Also read the Bible in 100 days. He read 1% of the Bible a day. Um, on his iPad, he mentions that like three times. Yeah. Bully for fucking you. You got an iPad. <laughs> you know your your fucking life is not so bad. Right. Can, right. When you could start the story out by saying, so I started reading the Bible on my iPad. <laughs> I you know, like I was visiting the golf course with my friends, <laughs> drinking with my pinky up, you see. Like, fuck you, dude. At one point he says, I'm going to quote directly this douchebag. I'm going to quote him. He says, I decided to make a career change, abruptly leaving my job at NBC News and coming back to where I was happy in a prior phase of my life, the Huffington Post. And he and he starts talking about how great like the Bible is like, dude, lucky for you, you didn't experience crushing fucking unemployment like most of the country when they leave a job or get fucking removed from a job like fucking 10 percent of our country. You have you fucking left a job for another job. Well, awesome, dude. Some people don't get to do that. And those people probably read the Bible, too. But they're fucking shit out of luck because they didn't read it on a fucking iPad. (laughs) You know, when he's. He's talking in this article about how reading the Bible changed his life for the better. He he starts relaying all these good things that started to happen to him. Yeah. Wow. You know. Then then this person just emailed me out of nowhere and asked me if I wanted to go to the Yankees game. And and the idea here is that by reading the Bible, he somehow has a better life. Like he conjured up these, good luck. It's right. a fucking it's a fucking magic fucking lamp. Dude, it's, it's the secret. Yeah, it's a fucking genie lamp. He's fucking humping. He's like, oh, it's, I fucking rub this fucking lamp. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get all the good stuff. It's like fucking at one point he's like, he's like, and there I was. Like last minute, I got into Chicago. I get into Chicago and fucking somebody had Blackhawks tickets right on the glass. You're a fucking editor of a fucking, the, one of the biggest blogs in the world. You know, like it's not like you're a fucking you you mingle with people that most people don't get to mingle with. You report on shit and people like fucking favorite your tweet. Like, give me a break. That's not a fucking evidence of a God or suddenly the Bible's doing better for you. And the other thing that fucking just grinds my gears about this shit. (laughs) And let me tell you, that fucking that just makes me want to grab the guy by the throat is there's a lot of people out there reading the Bible that are fucking suffering, that don't have enough to eat, that wind up fucking they, – they just have a shit storm of their life. And you know what you're saying basically is shit came through for me. I must have prayed right. I must have done it right. Look right. at me. Yep. Look at how fucking pious I am. You're a fucking douchebag is what you are. Yeah, this is a guy who one of his previous Facebook posts that he just references in here – is starts off with, quote, when life gives you lemons, make lemonades. More <laughs> than one editor. lemonade. <laughs> He's an editor, dude. This man is an editor. Yeah, he can't you know, edit his own tweets. He, 
you hit the. This is a privileged guy. Let's not let's not look away from that right. fact. You know, he's talking about all of these good things that happened to him, and they happened to him because of the connections that he sure. has made. You know, because of the all of the work that he's done. You know, he makes it sound like he, you know, he had this great big transition. He was only at the NBC job. He admits for three months. Yeah. And he came back to a job that, he, you know, he, he came fucking, back to a job he already had. Yeah, he experienced outside the box, said, fuck that. I'm going back in the box. And he fucking went back to the same old job. At one point in time, he's like, more good things happened. I went for a walk. And one day I somehow got this photo of the Veranzo Bridge in New York. And you look at it. It's just a shitty Instagram fucking photo, dude. It's You're not fucking, you're not, you're not a photojournalist. It doesn't look that great. I look at him like, oh, good. You took a fucking face. You took an iPhone photo. Wait, right. is that fucking proof of God? You know, it's and it's shit like this too. This thing has gotten a million. You know, the guy has like a bajillion people, one hundred and ten thousand people or something, follow him on Facebook. So when he posts something like this, a million people talk about it. And like talk, oh, look at how uh, uh, you know how the Bible has this this great effect on this guy's life. You know, it, I don't, I don't even think you read it. If you read it, if you really read it and tried to understand it, what did you get out of the begats, dude? What did you get out of that? Because I listened to fucking Thomas read that shit, and I wanted to put a bullet in my face. I was like, I do not care who begat who. I'm really done with the begats by now. Or the detailed instructions on how to build the ark. You sure, know? Like, yeah. yeah. Or Leviticus. What did you – you're like, oh, man, this is great. Leviticus is just so awesome. It's like totally point on. Like, yeah, you're reading Deuteronomy. You're like, wait, if my dad fucked up, I'm screwed? Yeah. Oh, man, that really speaks to me. Yeah. What? Yeah, you, you know, his, so here's some of these insipid points, right? Well known as a picky eater – I tried sushi oh, for the first. That was a choice you made. You just made a choice to eat a food. That's not a change in your life from the outside. That's just you. You used to be a picky eater. You tried a new thing. That's that's like saying like, well, I don't like to run, and I I went running. Okay. <laughs> what? Fuck. I don't know. Yeah. I took a left where I normally take a yeah. right. That shit's under your fucking control. You're an autonomous yeah. human being. God, this guy's such a... Oh, I just want to hit him. <laughs> it's really... I read this thing. I got so My mad. teeth were like clenched all the time. I'm like, you're such an idiot. How do you have such a good job? Yeah. I, and he, he posts things on Facebook and a lot of people liked it. Well, okay. Cool, That's dude. That's how social media works. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. To me, it's pretty simple. A person either believes that God created this process or believes that it was an accident and that it just happened all on its own. So this next story is from Alternet, alternet.org. Uh, as America grows more polarized, conservatives increasingly reject science and rational thought. Um, I, you know, this isn't a surprising article at all. Um, but I, I do want to say that what it speaks to that I think is important is the anti-intellectualism. That every election year seems to explode into view. And then it kind of calms down a little bit. But during election year, there's this sort of grandiose uh, exploration of the glory that is anti-intellectualism among the hardcore right-wingers. And it is absolutely off-putting for anybody who could even try to consider themselves politically independent. Yeah, this is a this is a sad sad state of affairs talking about how low um how first off how low the the uh people who believe in evolution how low those statistics are and how they're dropping 
how people are starting to believe less and less in evolution and starting to believe more and more in creationism. And one of the things that, that occurred to me, Tom, when I was thinking about this, that actually kind of, you know, it made me made my my anus clench up a little bit. You know, I thought I was going to shit my pants there for a second. I was like, oh, no, that's kind of scary. And the, the idea isn't that it's we're becoming more anti-science. It's that we're becoming more biblically literal. And that's the part that scares me more. Because you can be a person of faith and also believe in evolution. There's people out there right now that I know specifically. The Catholic Church is one of the people, that one of the groups of people, as well as tons of other people that aren't biblical literists that believe that, you know, while they think that evolution was maybe started by God or God had some sort of hand in it or something like that, right? Um People, though, instead are rejecting that wholesale, saying no evolution is wrong. And instead, I believe the fucking Flintstones version. And, and that's the scary part is that they're they're not just saying I reject science. That's, that's a symptom of them becoming more biblically literal. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. But the bi- biblical – the Bible doesn't have anything of value to teach us. When right. we take it literally. And they're hunkering down on that now. They're right. saying, they're oh, saying yeah. oh, yeah, well, you know, you want to yeah. you want to take the Bible out of the schools and you want to never was in the fucking schools. You want to take uh, you want to take prayer out of schools. Yeah, you can fucking pray in school. Yeah, you want to take uh, the Bible out of, you know, public spheres and you want to take all the, you know, they're they're hunkering down. They're fucking building a fucking a couch for it out of the Bible now at this point. And, you know, my problem, my my larger problem personally is. I just, you know, I just read this, this article in Wired. You actually gave me the Wired magazine. Um, and I read an article in, in Wired recently. It was an interview with a gentleman. I don't remember who, who, his name. But one of the things that he said that stuck with me um, was, you know, it, we have to rely on science to fix these problems. And he's talking about problems of energy. He's talking about problems of food production. He's talking about, you know, some of the, some of the basic global problems that face us as a rapidly expanding human population. yeah. yeah. The Bible will not solve those problems. No. The, your Mormonism will not solve those problems. Uh, Islam will not solve no. those problems. One thing, one ideological uh, construct, one worldview, one uh, method will solve those problems. One and only one. And it's science. Yeah. We're not going to get there if we don't place value on science. And we're not going to be a nation that is politically and economically relevant forever. Yeah. If we don't value science as a nation and as an inherently good idea because it is a good way to learn about our world and to solve problems. I think it's I think it's I think it's more drastic than 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 what you say. It's not that they don't value it. It's that they actively want it out. They actively don't believe in it. They actively want to undermine it. They want to say that science it's just not it's not able to do the things that it says it, that it makes claims to do. Um it, just a quick, you know, Wikipedia says, here's what they say about science. Science is a systematic enterprise that builds and organizes knowledge in the form of testable explanations and predictions about the universe. And you got to wonder, like, how the fuck can that be partisan? How can that pick a side? You know, you're talking about testable. You're talking about explanations using predictions based on models that are testable. And you're thinking, how do how does that even choose a side? That doesn't choose a side. It's the most objective way to gather data. 
and yet you're going to be anti-science. You're going to say, you know what, I don't – I want to choose to believe not only in the Bible, but I want to believe that what the scientists tell me is wrong, that they are being subjective about several things. And that's the, that's the biggest error that they're making, and that's the one that they're pulling. They're not just – and they're not just pulling it from evolution. Now they're doing it about global warming and expected in other places soon. Because everything that they disagree with that falls into the realm of them disagreeing with, you know, science disagreeing with our book, they're going to find something else that they can pull into and say, no, we don't believe that because the Bible says this and therefore it's wrong and we don't trust the science on it. And, and once they stop trusting like the, the results of scientific enterprise – they're not going to they're not going to respect the method either. Right. And we're not going to raise new scientists. No. No, you won't. We're going to be a stu- we're going to be a dim-witted, stupid, backward nation. Yep. Yeah, well, and and you got to you got to also think about it this way too is that, you know, they use technology, they use science every day, but they're not willing to uh they're not willing to accept that. I mean, that you know, we've medicine, um transportation, communication, all those things are enhanced so greatly by all the things that we know and all the things that we've studied and all the things that science has put forward. And you're going to, you're going to just throw that all away and just be like, yeah, well, I just don't believe in it. Well, well, how would you like to live in a world with no science then? Yeah. Let's, you know, I I can pick up my phone right now and I can tell you with reasonable, reasonable certainty what it's going to do tomorrow as far as the weather is concerned. Right. Yeah. We use that. That's fucking useful. Do we want to go back to a world where hurricanes catch us by surprise? <laughs> what? Surprise, hurricane. Because <laughs> that was most of our existence, right? You'd be like, oh, it's yeah. a beautiful, sunny. Oh, fuck. No, uh, that's not. Well, you, you can't, like you said, you can't live in a modern world without taking advantage of the, uh, the things that science has given us. Back at the, we're going to have a little interview here with George, and it's George Rab, correct? Uh, uh, Rob. Is Rob. Fine. I got there's an there's an okay H too. portion in there. Okay. If you can, right. if, uh, yeah, yeah. rhymes with job. Okay, uh, jo- okay, yeah. fair enough. All right, so uh, so uh, I'm just going to say George. So George is here, and uh, <laughs> and and he's from the Geologic Podcast. Now, George, uh, hilarious podcast. You have a great podcast. Could you explain it? If our listeners never heard it, how would you explain it to our listeners? Uh, it's, it's a very, um, oh boy. It's, there's three, there's three segments to the show. This is kind of how I explain it. There's three segments of the show. There's me talking about being a professional musician. There's uh, me talking about things that relate to atheism and science and skepticism. And then the third component is just really silly things like sketches and sounds and songs and, 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 and silliness. So it all relates kind of back to me. But those are the three kind of main components, music, um, skepticism and silliness. No, that's actually I, you know, I hadn't considered because I've, I've listened to a lot of your shows. And, and I guess what uh, when I first started listening what occurred to me was I, I, it really didn't matter what you were talking about. It was always entertaining. Like you were always trying to entertain the well, audience. I hope so. Thank and, you. And so it's always been it's always been funny or interesting. 
there's this, but there is this sort of skeptical bent that that fits. There are a lot of times you do. I think almost every show I've listened to, you do a religious moron of the week, which oftentimes is many morons. It's not just a single moron that yes. you single out. There's a many, a grail yeah. of morons. Yeah. <laughs> grail. That's you decided, yeah, that's that's the collective noun for a group I of religious it. morons. Yeah. It's a grail of morons. So yeah, so, I often have a grail of three or four. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a very popular segment. That's kind of one that sort of is almost almost every week I do that. Um, but then there's, you know, my mom calls in and, and, and we have a segment that's called Geo's Mom Reads Jay-Z Lyrics. And she reads Jay-Z Lyrics and I put little beats behind it. And then it just gives us a chance to catch up and bullshit about stuff. And yeah. there's interesting fauna, which is just weird animal things. There's Dr. Damian Hanji's facts that'll fuck you up, which is just weird scientific or planetary facts that are just so crazy they just make you sit awake at night like Calvin <laughs> trying to determine why a record can run at both speeds yeah. you know um so yeah it's it's a it's an amalgam of silliness but ultimately it's just me being stupid so and and how did it get started like how what made you decide that this was the format this was the thing you were going to do uh, my best friend is visually impaired so he was on the he was on the podcast train very early like in 2005 2004 2005 and he sort of said much in, in, in like, like the graduate, he said, I have one word for you. And it wasn't plastics, but it was podcasting, another P word, <laughs> podcasting. I said, what's that? And he said, well, it's this thing. It's like an audio magazine, blah, blah, blah. And um, eventually he sort of said, you know, you should really do one. I started listening to some and he said, you should really do one because it's just, it seems to fit your sensibilities. So before I did one, I did a, a radio show here at a local college station that had there for the summer they would allow local people to run uh the, the as a, when the students were away they would let students uh, let let local people just have shows and i asked if i could do one as long as it wasn't you know like a music show could i just talk so tuesday nights from 11 to 2 i did three hours of just this just bullshit just talking almost as a laboratory to kind of see what bits would work if I were to put a podcast together. And that's when I started calling my mom and doing the religious morons and doing some sketches and some preliminary things. And then I just started doing the show and I figured that my friend would listen to it, Slough, my, my blind friend, and maybe my dad. And I would basically do it the two of them. Like they would tune in and then if anybody else occasionally here and there, you know, family yeah. members that were coerced into listening. <laughs> <laughs> Cajoled, yeah. You know, you know what it's about. I mean, oh, so yeah, right. yeah. yeah, we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're going to be lucky if we get four or five listeners on this episode alone, so we'll, well be happy yeah, with I'll, that. I'll yeah. double that to eight. Yeah, so. well, dude, fucking eight? <laughs> Jesus, we'll take you out for pizza. Are you yeah, kidding me? The, your servers won't, won't crash. Yeah. <laughs> when you have those kerosene-driven servers. But, yeah, uh, yeah fucking hamster-driven. That's yeah. it, man. That's yeah. it. So, yeah, and it just somehow, somehow, and, and it never, it never was going to be, oh, this will be about skepticism and atheism or if i do this for four years then i'll get to host tam yeah. you know that, and that like that never it was just oh let me just do this for half an hour we can just be stupid so i can you know make slough sure. laugh or sure. make my dad laugh which like most things that's you know most people that are successful at whatever it is that they do they do it because they're just interested in that thing very few people approach something by saying, I need to be successful. Not that I'm successful, but I need to, I need to you know, do this thing because it will provide other avenues of success for me. It's just, no, this is really interesting. You know, whether it's music or art or fashion or calligraphy or architecture or you know, building puppets, whatever it is, it's always a passion that's sort of there just to do the thing. And um, I just fell into it. And somehow people started listening. And then somehow I got this reputation of have, having this skeptical atheist thing because just like you guys every every decision you make every every 
thing that comes across your desk, either literally or within your life, is affected by your critical thinking. You know, from what parking space to take to, you know, what what shows to watch to what, you know, what to eat. I mean, there's there's some level of critical thinking. And so that relates to everything I do. And because I'm a musician, which is kind of a different thing, not a scientist, there seems to be this connection that people have. And I think I, I sort of represent the fan side of science and yeah. not so much the doer side of science, but just like, this is so cool. I have no idea what's happening, but it's so <laughs> cool. You know, and people tend to, I think, connect with that. So, you know, and I, I think that that's, that's a very important part of, of driving forward an interest in science. You know, we're not all going to be scientists. We're not all going to work in the sciences, but like you said, that doesn't mean you can't be a fan. I think that's a great way to put it. You know, I think this show is a love letter to science in a lot of ways too. Yeah, you know, it's it, that's that's a lot of what it's about. You know, one thing I want to bring up is you you had on uh, one of your recent shows a uh, a short thirty minute review of Prometheus <laughs> review. Uh, that was a yeah, that was a drive by <laughs> shooting. That was fucking awesome, man. Oh it was God. awesome. So disappointing. Oh, it was awesome. We, you said you know you were saying a moment ago about bringing critical thinking to all parts of your life. Should you have left the critical thinking at home when showing up to the movie theater for that one? Because it it sounds like a train wreck. I'm fine with suspension of disbelief. I am okay. I understand that within the context of a fictionalized story that you need to suspend some things. I understand like warp drive doesn't work. I get it. That's fine. Like I'm okay with that. But a scientist running away from the very first alien life form any human has ever seen. I can't, love it. Like that's too much suspension. That's oh, like Golden it. Gate Bridge worth of suspension. That I, can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't do. I'm sorry. I can, and it doesn't need to be that way. It doesn't drive the plot. I mean, I mean, it's not essential to the plot. It just it allows the plot to be lousy. And again and again and again and again. And it was just it was so frustrating. So frustrating, because there's so many examples of, you know, great pieces of of of, of scientific writing or science fiction writing that that are smart that don't need. You know the the dumb space scaredy cat, you know, running away <laughs> from whatever, or not understanding how a planet's north and south might work. You know, like oh, it's just it's so. So that's what that whole movie was, and it was so upsetting because this is like a two hundred million dollar film. Like how many dozens of probably great movies could be made with that two hundred million dollars? I mean, how many directors and writers? wouldn't kill for $100,000 each to make, what would that be? That would be 20 movies, right? Think of, think of the 20 independent films you could make for $100,000 that would be undoubtedly hundreds of times better than, than Prometheus. Like what a complete waste of resources and waste of, of artistic talent. And yes, it looked great, but like who gives a shit? You say you know? $200 million? I believe so, right? Yeah, that's a lot more than twenty. That's I mean, that's got to be thousand, yeah. right. If it's a hundred thousand, let's say per film, that's even even ten thousand, right? right? Is that yeah, ten and then twenty, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's see, it's, oh, it's no, a I'm lot sorry. though. That's, it's a that's wrong. It's, that's shit. I'm talking. Yeah, it's, it, you're you're off by an order of magnitude. It's I think two hundred films yeah. based. No, two hundred million dollar films. So it would be. See, this is why I'm a fan of yeah, science. See, this is why I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> it turns out, so you're off by two orders of magnitude. Let's say let's say a million dollars. How many science writers and movie independent movie wouldn't kill for a million dollars to make well, how 200 much did it, movies. It, it cost barely not. I, from what I remember, it wasn't a huge budget to make the first Matrix. And that movie, t- I 
I personally think that that's a very, very good sci-fi movie. Absolutely. That's um, probably one of the last ones that really struck me that the effects uh, actually enhanced the story. Yeah. And didn't they weren't dependent on the effects, but that it was like, wow, these effects are amazing and this story is amazing. Well, you know what? Uh, uh, I'd have to say Inception. Yeah, Inception, Inception, is, Inception. Is, is, yeah. is another one that just, you know, yeah. you, yeah. it's funny. You get, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 41, so there's the point where you start getting crusty to the popular medium of, of entertainment. And you think, am I far, is, am I done? Like, is that, am I just, am I just too old at this point to enjoy? Is it, is it, is am I gone? Is it not designed for me? Which I understand that time will come and I'm fine with the time coming. I just don't know if it's now or 10 years down the road or five years down the road or five years in the past. I'm not sure. And every now and then I think like, okay, you know what? I am never going to fall in love again the way I did with, you know, the temple of doom or the right. way I did with the matrix or whatever. And I'm okay. And then inception comes along and it's like, okay, Oh, all right. I can still get it up. I can still get it up. <laughs> you know, I get my movie boner and it's to- okay. Right. It's possible. It's possible. Right. I'm not foregone. Maybe at 70, I won't appreciate, you know, the equivalent of inception, but, uh, but at 40 or whatever it was, 39, uh, I could still do it. You know, the, 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 the thing, the absolute, if we're talking about sci-fi movies and, and, and budgets, I don't know if you guys are hip to a film called um, Primer. Yes. Yes. Spectacular movie. What did it cost? $20 to make? $7,000 this movie yeah. cost. Literally $7,000. I think it was like 7200 bucks. this thing cost. It is one of the most, one of the smartest films I've ever seen. It looks like it's a two or three million dollar Soderbergh film. It's beautifully shot, beautifully done, really well acted, great editing. Um, people that talk about that I can't handle the concepts of Prometheus and that not everything needs to be answered, I say, look at Primer. I have no <laughs> idea what happened in that movie. I've seen it probably 15 times. I still can't. I've been to websites. I've looked at uh, plot plot lines that have been drawn out with all kinds of diagrams. I still don't understand what happened in that film, but I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that movie because th- that movie's Wikipedia page alone will melt your brain. Just to look at the diagrams of the timelines and how they enter. It's, it's, it's numbing how complex that movie gets. Memento. I don't know if that's another one that's just yeah. similar in its, wait a minute, but th- does that mean that, but then, oh, Oh boy, so much for sleep. You know what I mean? So like, and and that's wonderful. That I know that's not a Memento's not a science fiction film, but still, in terms of low budget, using you know your mind to yeah, it's a cerebral something. movie. Completely cerebral yeah. film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not that it needs to be cerebral, even because I like you sure. know a silly shoot it up thing. You I know? like as it long, when shit blows up too. Absolutely, <laughs> as long as there is some yeah. some consistency. You know, within within, let the characters behave the way even science fiction characters. I mean, even in a kung fu movie, there is, you know, internal consistency. Like, I don't mind the guy flying across the temple. I don't mind it. I'm okay with that. I know that that's not possible. But within the universe of that film, it's fine. And yet, I understand he is going to avenge his teacher. That's the deal. Great. Like, entertain me with under that context. But Prometheus and things like that just are so disturbingly just poor. And it's so sad that how many scientists, you know, would have killed to look over that script. Oh, I know. Yeah. Would have killed, would have, yeah. would have paid to look and, and, and be able to say, you know, 
let Don't alone use Darwinism. <laughs> oh, yeah, as, as in the wrong in the wrong context. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, it, it, it. I'm sure for what was the Danish budget, you know, for for craft services, <laughs> they could have gotten a dozen science fiction words to just be like, ooh, like yeah. this. You shouldn't yeah. use that word. Use this word, because there's some podcasting <laughs> asshole who is going to bitch about this for five years when this thing comes out. Yeah, that's awesome. We used to, uh, before we started this show, we used to have a show called Everyone's a Critic where we did movie reviews. And as a fan of your show, I will tell you right now, you need to add a movie rant to most of your shows because it was fucking outstanding. I was oh. laughing. I was in stitches while you were just <laughs> tearing you. it apart. It was absolutely wonderful. So it, you should, it, was, it was too easy. That was the problem. Yeah, was well, just, yeah, just, <laughs> most, movies, most movies do not present much of a target, it turns out. We, no, we went through like a that. lot of really bad movies and you know we inflicted the Twilight series on ourselves. And if you want to talk about a bad fucking science movie, movie watch the happening that is a shitstorm of a movie or or what the bleep do we know is another fucking abhorrent piece of shit sure. that should not even be shown to anything even people on death row shouldn't see that movie it's awful yeah yeah, yeah i think i think a film like that is similar to ben stein's movie too. yeah right right yeah. exactly the worst thing about it the yeah. worst thing about it is that it's boring <laughs> I mean, like, it is the bravest sin, isn't it? In a movie, that's the thing. You know, I will watch Triumph of the Will, you know, and it's like the, the idea of it is horrible. These are Nazis that are doing things, but boy, it's fascinating and it's and it's well paced and it's edited and it's beautifully shot. And yeah, it's 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 you know, as filmmaking, it's incredible as the message, it's horrible. These movies, a film like ex Expelled, Exposed, whatever the hell it is, is just boring. I, I couldn't even sit through the trailer. The trailer was like this three minute thing, and I'm thinking, like, okay, 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 I, you know, get to your point. Get to your thing. Get to the meat of what you're doing. Just ultimately, I, I almost don't care what your point is as long as it's presented in an entertaining way. Wasn't that funny about – it's Ben Stein, right? I mean it's like here's a guy who made a living having the most droning, boring voice that you could possibly have. And you're thinking, wait a minute. I'm going to sign up for an hour and a half of this? Yeah. Maybe as a novelty item, I'll give you your 30 minutes. But an hour and a half. Just bad filmmaking. And and the other favorite thing was, that I mentioned this on my show, was that on the DVD box of the Ben Stein thing, there's a, there's four stars. But it says four stars. And then the person who said it has four stars is Ben Stein. <laughs> <laughs> and like underneath, it's like three and a half stars, Ben Stein's mom. <laughs> mom. Yeah, I was like, oh, pure balls. Pure yeah. balls. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to rate all of my products from now on. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this podcast, a five-star podcast. Going, what the fuck? You're going to TAM this year? Uh, yes. You're going to TAM. You want a free T-shirt, by the way? We can't even fucking give them away on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I will always take a T-shirt. Yeah, yes. we'll send one to you. Don't worry. You're going to get it. Sure. We'll, we'll, we'll get your address afterwards. So anyway, um, you're going to TAM this year. Now, there's been some controversy about TAM this year, and um, a specifically – that talks about women and uh, and how women are treated, not just specifically at TAM, but at a lot of skeptical events. Um, do you know anything about that? And do you, do, you, do you have any comments? Since you seem to be part of that scene, you, you go to these things. Do you have any comments about that? I'm conflicted because the people that are involved in the conversations that are happening online are almost to a person all friends of mine on yeah, both sides yeah. of the issue. Sure, sure. Um, and as a sort of representative of the JRF, I mean, I, I, I'm very fortunate that they've asked me to host TAM. So I'm actually the MC for the whole oh, thing. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so it's, it's, um, 
it's a it's a delicate thing. I haven't really talked about it on my show because I, I I don't want to talk about specifics. I, I, I think the the most disturbing thing to me is that a lot of this takes place on Facebook. Within yeah. the comments of Facebook. Sure. And or people blog at each other. Yeah, and akin to you know emails and blogs and Facebook messages, a lot of the subtleties of human communication yeah. are completely lost. A, they're lost, and then B, you can much like a you know a Rorschach test, you can impose your own meaning onto a phrase or a sentence because the tone and yeah. the phrasing is all lost and. Yeah. Both sides um, are are falling into that of of not reading things into, um, but just letting letting their own uh, vehemence or their own belief in their cause, which is complete. I mean, both sides are, as in many debates, as in all debates, actually, are trying to do the right thing. No one has evil intentions. No one has, um, neither side has dark intentions. Um, and I would hope that as skeptics, um, we could remember that. <laughs> Ultimately. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. unfortunately, when you are in an emotional state, when you are in a passionate state, uh, it's it's difficult to remember that about both sides. That's that's pretty much all I want to say is, is, that's is, fine. is, is that, that I hope, I hope that as people comment on either side um you can remember that it it does run both ways i mean yes there's wrong and right and there's good and bad but it does run both ways and that we can as skeptics remember that and uh, yeah that's it so it's 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 a really weird delicate situation sure. ultimately I, I always have a wonderful time i have had nothing but uh, a positive time uh at tam not to say that there are that I could comprehend what it's like to right, deal right. with these issues because I, sure. I can't. Sure. Um, so, so, yeah. So, that's, that's so, so not my uh, political, political. Yeah, no, and very, very, balancing uh, beam. very, <laughs> very measured answer there, and we will take that. Uh, now, uh, you're, you said you're emceeing this year. Um, what what kind of stuff is planned for Tam? I mean, what, what if our listeners were going to go? What could they expect? Well, it's I emceed last year. I had attended the three years previous as well. Um, Tam is one of those wonderful uh, instances where, yes, the people that are speaking are preaching to the choir, but it's so wonderful to be part of the choir for once. <laughs> so what this is is sort of a choir meeting of people that are like-minded. You know, within 98% of ideologies, people agree at TAM. So there's all kinds of speakers. Usually um, within any day, you'll have, I guess it's maybe, you know, eight to 10 kind of presentations during the day, six to, six to 10 presentations, half hour, 45 minutes on various subjects pertaining to uh, skeptical thought, critical thinking, all the stuff that has to do with uh, James Randi Educational Foundation. Um, and then at night, there are Special presentations. So this year, uh, George Carlin's daughter is doing a presentation about George Carlin that she oh, does. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's which awesome. I'm, I'm so excited to see that because I'm just a huge – obviously, I think yeah. most people are huge George Carlin fans. Yeah. Uh, Penn and Teller are doing a special presentation, uh, 38 Years of, of Bullshit or – I forget the exact name of how they're presenting it. But 38 Years of, of Magic and, and Craziness with Penn and Teller. Um, 
And, uh, and then the really wonderful thing about Tam is, is beyond the presentations. To me, what I think is so great is because so many people are on the same page when it comes to the big issues, like, yes, critical thinking is important. Yes, science is important. Uh, most people don't have religious beliefs or let their religious beliefs influence them in ways um, that you can have those really interesting conversations on that final 2%. So that in the 98%, it's like last year there was a panel about space exploration that was Neil deGrasse Tyson and uh, Lawrence Krauss and Phil Plate, I think maybe, and, uh, and uh, Pamela Gay. Maybe Phil Plate wasn't on that. But anyway, here was a panel uh, that was sort of the antithesis of what you normally see on television in terms of a debate about space exploration. Right. Because what you would see on TV would be Neil deGrasse Tyson saying, we need to do this and spend as much money as we possibly can on this within, you know, within the confines of the budget. And you have another person saying, we don't need to do this at right. all. Right, right, right. Yeah. This debate was, well, of course we need to do it. And they all agreed. The debate was, okay, <laughs> what are we going to spend the money on? Yeah, Which is a much yeah. more interesting conversation for sure. someone that already is in the camp of, yes, we need to explore yeah, Everybody space. in the audience agrees. Absolutely. So let's just right. move forward. It, yeah. Again, within 95% or whatever sure, it yeah, is. Yeah. So here was this conversation of that 5 to 2% of what do we spend it on? What's, what's the smart? And it was a vehement debate. It was, I mean, they were, they were going at it and it was awesome. And that carries over into conversations that you might have when That's you're waiting great. for the things to start or when you're sitting at the bar or when it's two in the morning uh, on, on Saturday night and you're still sitting in the bar talking about whether or not, you know, what the educational system needs to do in terms of its skeptical teaching or scientific teaching or how awful Prometheus was. <laughs> you know I mean? it's, it's, it's a wonderful and you just meet people, yeah. and, you know, it's whatever, 1,600 people, 1,500 people that are within that 98% of agreement that, uh, that we rarely get to be in that in those kinds of numbers those kinds of ratios rarely apply to people that are super skeptical or atheist or whatever whatever you might you might be so it's that that to me is the most precious thing about the amazing meeting is to be amongst people that are like-minded and uh, and love to talk about stuff I was looking on uh, on the TAM website and I saw that uh, Stephen Novella is going to be there now you got an e uh, an email from Stephen for your last show, he yeah. listens to your show and he gave you a little correction there. I thought your bit was hilarious with the the number of countries that were ahead of us. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> and until he pointed out that it was, you know, the UNICEF uses botched up numbers. Right. Um, I just wanted to point out, too, that Stephen listens to our show. I don't know if you knew this, but Stephen is a big fan of, of Cognitive Dissonance. And Excellent. I wanted to read. I wanted to read just, just quickly. You know, I got it in front of me. I just wanted to read his last email to us. All right. He said, uh, dear Tom and Cecil. Your show is a fucking abomination. Please never record anything again. You suck. <laughs> and then he says at the bottom, he says, cordially, Stephen Novella. And he says, P.S. Die in a fire. So, you, you know, know that, he's a big fan. That's so, so, that's so Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> His voice just comes through the page. It does. It doesn't really it? does. Yeah, that, that wise. The novellas, actually, all the guys that are all, all the guys and gal that are involved with SGU are, are, are amazing. The fact that I can call them friends, that's that's one of those perks, one of those mind-blowing taint shrinking perks that have happened <laughs> over the years of me doing this show is that I've got to know Steve and Jay and yeah. Bob as well as uh, Rebecca Watson and Evan Bernstein and I consider them friends and they are the people that they are on the show when you listen to the Skeptics Guide is pretty much exactly who they are like in life so when you're sitting at dinner talking about what you're going to order the same kind of relationships come across and it's 
so cool and so fun and so great. And you know that when you listen to that show, you are getting this kind of pure reality of what they are, what they believe, what they're passionate about. And it comes across and they are, they are so generous and so wonderful. Um, I'm just, I'm really lucky and really fortunate. And I've time and again, when I see them at conferences like TAM or Nexus or whatever, they're always surrounded by people and they're always uh, incredibly generous in, in, in terms of giving their time. I remember being at a conference in Manchester, a QED, Question, Explore, Discover, two years ago. I was asked to host that too. And uh, Steve flew in, like had an eight-hour flight from Connecticut to, to, to Manchester, did his presentation, and then was up till about two or three in the morning in the bar just answering attendees' questions. Like there was like a line, it was like a wow. signing that sort of just sort of spontaneously happened. And I looked at him and I said, like, when's the last time you slept? He's like, oh, like 30 hours ago. Oh my gosh! But be, because he's so generous, and because sure. everyone in that in that group, and 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 most most everyone that I've met within this community is like that. Yeah, I mean the fact that you know Penn and Teller after their shows get out and 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 go in the lobby and meet everybody, um, the fact that you can approach just about anybody at TAM and ask a question and talk and 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 there are the superstars, there are the you know, the Neil deGrasse Tysons and stuff that unfortunately are usually on a schedule and they're in and they're out. Um, but I can, I can say that to a person, they are all extremely generous and kind and, and are the people that you would hope that they, that they would be are. There's a good sentence for you. Diagram that sentence. <laughs> but, uh, but I think you know what I mean. So it's yeah, good. yeah. Yeah, they they were uh, uh, an influence on us, Tom and I. I think one oh, of the first podcasts not. I ever listened to yeah. was Skeptics Guide to the Universe, and so they were an influence on us a long time ago when we first started listening to them. Um, great, great show, and uh, and great like like as you say, great people too. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so we didn't even get a chance to talk about your music. So we're going to have to have you on again, George. Um, Ooh, it's just, I don't, it's, I don't I, know. If, I, see if we can pencil <laughs> us in. Maybe we can get a post TAM report. Mm-hmm. We'll probably call you and see. Absolutely, boys. My pleasure. All right, I, there would, we go. I would love to do. It. No, in all seriousness, <laughs> I've, so twisted, I, I've twisted. Your I appreciate arm. Okay. what you guys are doing, and I know it's. Yeah. I know. You, I know it can feel like it's uh, against the tide sometimes. Yeah. But uh, keep keep doing that, and you guys are obviously into it. Yeah. And it's it, that comes across, and that's the most important thing is that you do. You know, you believe in what you're doing and that you just have fun while doing it. So awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, George. We really appreciate uh, it. Anytime, anytime. Thanks, guys. And, you know, if you're ever in Chicago, look us up. I'll buy you two medium pizzas. Hey, <laughs> Chubbo. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, those are, those are deep dish, too, so that'll be a whole its own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shit, yeah. That's like four. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we got a lot of email, but we ran a little long with George, so we're not going to be uh, giving shout-outs and stuff. Thank you, everybody who sent emails. Thanks, everybody who rated us on iTunes this week. We got another flurry of iTunes reviews. We're happy when you do that. Thanks so much for doing it. And uh, and thanks, everybody, who just sent us quick little funny emails. We got a ton of them, um, but we can't read them all. There is one that we want to touch on, though, and this is uh, Henry. Henry sent this email to us, and Tom, why don't you read it? Hey, guys. This note is relevant to the poop smearing guy, but more importantly to your discussion about sexual harassment instigated by men against women at skeptical atheist conventions. One of the primary fears among religious fundamentalists is that secularism and atheism will lead to some irreversible moral decline, and they use instances of the aforementioned behavior as uh, ammunition. I think having a discussion about how to establish and maintain a standard of ethical behavior in a secular environment is important. 
absent a contrived morality handbook such as the Bible. How does a secular society what's right? How does a secular society decide what's right and what's wrong? That is an interesting question, and, and really, a lot of people touch on this. Um, I'm going to say a little bit, and then I'm sure Tom's going to say a little bit. One of the things that I always try to do, and one of the things that I always try to make sure that I follow, uh, is that I make sure that I don't injure anybody else. Like my ethical code is, I don't want to hurt anybody else, and I also don't want to hurt anyone else's property, right? So I don't want to hurt. I I, I don't want to steal. I don't want to smash into somebody's car and leave the scene. I don't want to uh, injure someone, you know, force somebody to do something against their will, those sorts of things. But those are real simple, right? Those are social contract sort of things. Those are things that I think everybody um, that is in a society should be able to play because all those things are pretty much against the law, right? You shouldn't be forcing somebody to do something against their will. That's either kidnapping or rape or something. You shouldn't be bashing into somebody's car because that's damage to property. So a lot of those things are already laws. So those are already bad things, things you shouldn't do, something that is wrong. But when it comes down to the more gray area, uh, another thing that I try not to do is try to try not to make people uncomfortable. Um, I will do that on occasion. I'll probably try to make some people uncomfortable on our podcast, but you're, you're self-selecting it. Into that. So when I <laughs> when I say some really nasty, dirty thing on here, and I some people cringe or they get they they want me to stop saying stuff or whatever, you're self-selecting. You're coming into that. But I would never do that to somebody unwarranted. I would never want somebody to feel uncomfortable. So I that's kind of how I live my life, is I follow the laws of the land, which are the basic social contract laws that almost every society has, unless you're living in some weird place without laws like Somalia. Um but most societies have that set of laws. And then I just try to make sure that I'm I'm a good person that, you know, like what what is that? What does that mean? You know, if I'm going to quantify that, I just you know, I really do think that there is sort of that. I wouldn't say the golden rule, but, you know, the one step below that, maybe the silver rule or something, something where I try to go out of my way to be nice to people before they get a chance or don't have a chance to be nice to me. I try to make sure that I take that first step to be nice to people. I, I think the uh, you know, for me, I, I, I have to think it, it comes down to, to two things and then kind of a rule that I try to follow. You know, it's for me, it's obligations and respect. Am I meeting all of my obligations? I have an obligation to my employer. When I accept a check, I'm obligated to them to work for them. Am I meeting my obligations to my wife? I pledged a certain, uh, you know, to, to my wife to be her partner. Am I meeting that obligation? Am I being a good partner? Am, am I meeting my obligations to my friends? Am I being friendly? Am I doing the things that I think uh, a friend should do? Same thing with other family members. You know, same thing with strangers. You know, I'm part of a community. Am I meeting my obligations to this community? Am I, and, and that, and that, that helps a lot to govern behavior. You know, I have an obligation as a member of this community to, to ensure that it's a peaceful, safe, clean place. You know, am I doing things that uh, push that those those ideas forward. I'm obligated to that. I feel that very strongly. That those are, you know, and respect is a big part of that. Am I behaving in a way that is respectful? Am I am I being am I showing people respect? Respect for their time. Respect for their energies. Respect for their intelligence. Um, you know, and then on a more general sort of personal sense, a long time ago, I, I got it into my head that at the end of the night, if I were to if I were to replay this day. On, on, a, on a big screen in Times Square, would I be proud to show it to you? Would I be able to look up at that and say, that was my day and I'm proud of it? And I think if you can, if you can follow that and say, yeah, you know, I, 
I looked up at this and I didn't carry a pig's head through a, a carnival today. I'm proud I didn't punch to show anybody you else for day. Jesus. I, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I punched him because they yeah, needed right. to punch yeah, him, but yeah. not for Jesus. But yeah, you, you know, I think if you can, if you can think about yourself in, in, in those terms, I just don't think it's hard to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't think it's hard to come up with morals from a secular standpoint. I, I think ethics, I think ethics come from critical thinking. I don't think they need to be I don't think they need to come from an external source because I frankly don't believe in an external source. Right. I mean, the Bible's not external. It's written by guys. It's written by people. So uh, I want to thank George, uh, George, for coming on the show. George does a great podcast called the Geologic Podcast. You can find George's podcast at Geologic Podcast. That's one word dot com. He comes out every week with a show. Um, he's also got, you know, he's got he, he he's a musician, so you could buy his music. Um, he's also got a book. Uh, if you just go to uh, about me about dot me slash George G E O R G E H R A B. That's George Hrab. Uh, one word. You can find his page. We're going to link to it on these show notes. You could buy some of the various things that he has and or listen to his podcast. We think he's a great guy and we thank him for coming on. It was awesome having yeah. him on our show. It, it, it really, really was. was. He's what a, a great time that was. He's a great guy. Uh, we are going to leave you, as always, though, with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno-Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo-quasi-alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead, pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death in towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques, and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council. 